Sharon Brett Kelly and welcome to the Details Long Read. This week, a story from North and South Magazine's April issue about Cooney Cooney pigs. It's called This Little Piggy Went to Europe and it's written by Gregor Thompson. From Down Under to Downey Jr., the rags to riches story of the Cooney Cooney, New Zealand's cutest ambassador. Gregor Thompson has taken many of the photos too, which you can see in this month's issue of North and South. This is This Little Piggy Went to Europe. It's the day before New Year's Eve and it is miserable outside. A small blonde boy wearing a too big blue rain jacket looks upset. Varas Anton, he grumbles, hiding behind his father's leg. To the child's evident disappointment, Anton is not in his sty. He has been led towards his friends in the nearby goat and sheep enclosure. When Anton is finally spotted, he seems unconcerned. Minding his own business, he waits patiently for a bread roll. He is everyone's favourite, says Anna van Beek, one of the staff at Kinderbürderei de Arlenberg, a small petting zoo in western Amsterdam. We never have to worry about him, and he's great around the kids. Anton is the oldest of three Cooney Cooney pigs here. His younger companions, who live in a separate pen and are more high energy than Anton, are called Sophie and Kalla. The Dutch have a thing for petting zoos. Amsterdam alone has 13. Anton, Sophie and Keller are not all that unique either. A lot of petting zoos in the Netherlands have kunikuni. I think most of them now, says Van Beek. If this surprises you, it shouldn't. Since the 1990s, kunikuni have been oinking, grunting, eating and scratching their way around the world, carving out a pig-sized niche for themselves as a favourite oddball pet. Clubs, groups and virtual forums with thousands of members are dedicated to caring for the kunikuni. Britain alone boasts hundreds of individual breeders and the United States, Australia and the rest of Europe collectively have thousands more, meaning there are likely hundreds of thousands of kunikuni across the Western world. Believe it or not, Hollywood actor Robert Downey Jr. keeps two on his lifestyle block in Malibu, California. In a radio interview, he even said they were part of the inspiration for the widely panned 2020 Dr. Doolittle movie, Doolittle, which Downey Jr. starred in. A terrible film, but so what? It's been one hell of a turnaround for a New Zealand breed, which only 50 years ago was very nearly extinct. Type Kuni Kuni into the Te Aka Māori dictionary, you'll be told that it's an adjective, meaning to be round of appearance. Plump, fat, tubby. Though the name perhaps lacks a certain elegance, Kuni Kuni do reserve some mystique, particularly when it comes to their provenance. Some suggest early Māori brought the species to Aotearoa in waka, meaning that Kuni Kuni would predate Pākehā settlement. This claim was made on the grounds that the word for pig, puaka, in Old Polynesian, and puaka in Te Reo Māori, are similar, 
But these words were later discovered to be transliterations of the English word pork. A lack of archaeological evidence also casts severe doubts over this theory. Others propose that Kunikuni are a breed that got friendly with Captain Cookers, the porcine passengers brought over by Captain Cook that now dominate New Zealand's wild pig population. The issue with this theory is that it is unlikely the pigs on the Endeavour had the Kunikuni's iconic wattles or tassels which hang from the lower jaw. The only other pigs with such tassels are variously Polish, Lithuanian or the American red wattle hog breeds. According to DNA analysis, Kunikuni have Asian ancestry. So where does this leave us? A 1991 paper in the Journal of the Royal Society of New Zealand posits that Spanish and Portuguese mariners sailing from the China Seas brought the animals over sometime between 1795 and 1840. The most complete theory is that Kunikuni arrived here with early 19th century American sealers as the breed known as Poland China, a combination of European and Chinese breeds, and then evolved from there. Whenever and however they arrived, the pigs promptly ended up as part of the local diet. For years, Kunikuni provided a vital source of meat and fat until European methods for procuring meat edged out Māori traditions, after which the population steadily declined to near extinction. This would have been the end of the story if it weren't for a traveller from the English countryside who arrived in New Zealand in 1966. John Sinister is a difficult man to get hold of. Lying amid rugged Kunikuni country between Upper Hutt and Waikanae, Simister's home in the Akatarawa Valley still has no mobile phone signal, though he doesn't seem to mind. After three weeks spent being reminded of the answering machine's existence, I managed to get through to him on his home phone. Ah, uh, hello, finally, he chuckled. Despite having moved to New Zealand as a 24-year-old, his English accent is instantly discernible. In 1972, after taking a few years to get settled, a period which included owning a dairy in the Wellington suburb of Strathmore, Simister and his now ex-wife Carol set up Staglands Wildlife Park on the edge of the Akatarawa River. Not long after, Kunikuni entered the picture. Simister tells me it all started at what was then called Hilldale Zoo, now Hamilton Zoo. Simister had been travelling around, getting to know New Zealand, stopping in at places around the country that piqued his interest. During his visit to Hilldale, he spotted two unusual pigs in a pen and was sufficiently intrigued to ask the staff a few questions about them. The response was one of astonishing indifference, he says. These are kunikuni, he was told, and there are practically none left. These two might be the end of the breed. No one seemed that fuss about it except Simister, who recalls exclaiming, you can't just let them die out. A few months after this first encounter, Simister's friend Michael Willis, the founder of Willowbank Wildlife Reserve, was visiting from Christchurch. It was during one of the hundreds of boozy evening meals the two have shared over the years 
that Simister brought up his visit to Hildale Zoo. Simister brings the occasion back to life in his very entertaining memoir, Staglands, The First 40 Years. We had reached that stage in the evening when we were starting to make complete sense of all manner of difficult and complex issues. I happened to mention a funny little Walt Disney-type pig I had recently seen and that I hoped to get a few. Michael sat bolt upright, his sparkling eyes about to pop. Red wine spilling from his glass as he thumped the table. We have to find them. Save the breed, he roared. And that was that. In a flat deck truck, Simister and Willis zigzagged the North Island looking for Cooney Cooney with which to save the breed. According to Simister, after two fruitful trips, they returned to Akatarawa Valley with 17 pigs. The pair then drew lots on Akatarawa Summit to see how they would divide them. Simister took his pigs down the hill to Staglands and Willis drove back to Willowbank in Christchurch and each started individual breeding programmes. About 15 years later, around the start of the 1990s, the number of kunikuni in the country had grown from an estimated 50 or so to 1,000. Around this time, Zoe Lindop arrived in New Zealand from Britain to graft fruit in Canterbury. A former vet's assistant, Lindop has a lifelong love for animals. In those days, Lindop explains, Willowbank hosted dinners which accompanied evening tours of the park. This is how she first encountered the pigs. I was very intrigued, she recalls. Their stature, their colourings, the tassels under their necks, they were distinctive. I had never seen a pig like them. They were smaller than other breeds, had a calm demeanour, and the fact that they were grazing pigs meant that they wouldn't dig up the ground or destroy the lawn. Lindop sensed an opportunity. I could see that trend was going towards small-holding lifestyle blocks, she says. This meant the development of a new market for smaller pigs that were easy to handle, the kind of pig you can leave to wander around an orchard. In 1992, Lindop, with the help of Michael Willis, took five kunikuni, three sows and two boars, back to Britain with her. The following year, as interest from the British public grew, she imported six more. These original 11 are the ancestors of virtually all the kunis in Britain, the US and Europe, Lindop says. In 1993, she founded the British Kunikuni Pig Society, called BKKPS, Three decades on, the BKKPS and its European and American equivalents, the EKKPS and the AKKPS, have thousands of members who exchange tips, share breeding contacts, organise tea time chats and participate in best-in-show competitions. BKKPS member Sue Jones, a sonographer from Bath, brought her two male pigs, Fred and Ginger, two years ago to keep as pets. Where do I start, she says enthusiastically when asked what's special about her pigs. Her kunikuni respond to their names and know when it's time to feed. Fred even knows how to sit. She says she adores them, though her dog doesn't quite know what to make of them. Jones recalls once leaving her phone in the pig's pen and expecting it to have been trampled on, but the animals appeared to have taken care not to damage it. Coincidence or intelligence, I'm not sure, but I was very pleased. 
Jones now intends to start breeding Kuni Kuni herself so more people get to experience how intelligent and special they are. Nadine Fisher, a Kuni Kuni enthusiast who lives in Hawaii, tells me she once stayed in a hotel with her Kuni Kuni, Scarlett Johansson. Apparently, Scarlett was thrilled to ride in the elevator and quickly became a favourite of the staff. By the end of June 2022, the heatwave that had wreaked havoc through Western Europe reached Austria. In Vienna, people lined the banks of the Danube, ate ice cream and intermittently jumped in to cool off. A short train ride south, 37 pigs had a similar idea, spending their afternoons under trees in their wooden A-framed shelters or splashing in refreshing muddy puddles. The Austrian town of Bart Vislau was until recently home to the largest fixed drift, or drove, of Kuni Kuni pigs in Europe. It is the only research facility of its kind in the world, a three-hectare facility with a grazing meadow, fencing, a small woodland and various wooden structures that service the needs of both humans and pigs. On an office wall is a photo of primatologist Jane Goodall, who visited in 2014, holding the newborn sow which she was given the privilege of naming. She called it Bessie, after her grandmother. As I sit down to talk with animal behavioural scientist and park creator Marianne Vondrak, a commotion breaks out in the paddock behind us. Oh, that's just Rasputin and Zampano, she says confidently without checking. They like to wrestle. Vondrak has spent the last eight years of her life studying the intelligence of pigs. Her focus is on their social cognition, on how the pigs process, store and apply information about other pigs and social situations. The idea was to have them all born together on site in a stable and constant social environment and conduct experiments on them for the duration of their lives. People always say pigs are clever, Von Druck explains, but how clever are they and how do they learn? How do they learn socially? The work Von Drach does is not Kuni Kuni specific. Her research applies to all domesticated pigs. But the facility chose Kuni Kuni for many of the same reasons Zoe Lindop did. Their passivity makes them less dangerous to work with. Their size means they require less space. Their coats make them distinguishable from a distance as well as suitable for Austrian winters. The fact they graze means they get most of their food on site, making for a less artificial environment. They were the ideal candidate, Von Drach says. The pigs, who have recently been moved to a site near Salzburg, form dense social networks. They walk, talk and dine within their cliques. From time to time, they fall out with one another, only to make amends a few days later. Others simply prefer to be left alone. Each pig has its own personality and preferences. Zafira will do almost anything for grapes, while Zazo despises pineapple. Over the years, the Kunikuni themselves have come to associate success during experiments with food. As such, they've learnt self-discipline, the way a university student might after feeling the satisfaction of good grades. Von Druck says that during experiments, the pigs visibly concentrate. She adds that they are likely the smartest pigs in the world. 
or at least the best at problem-solving under pressure. Not bad, New Zealand. John Simiston knows his conservation efforts to save the kunikuni have been successful, but when asked about it, appears frankly unfussed about the accomplishment. Maybe it would have been nice to keep them all to ourselves, he says, apparently only half-joking. Though I guess that'd be a bit selfish. Reminiscing on the roadie taken with his friend Michael Willis all those years ago, the word Simister used to describe the adventure was enlightening. The experience introduced him to all manner of people and took him to places he would never have otherwise gone. He recalls the generosity and hospitality he received from the Māori families he met in the King Country and the East Cape, which made a lasting impression on him. I tried to offer money for the pigs, but some of the families refused to take it, he says. Everyone liked the idea of saving the breed and wanted to do their part. A decade later, when kunikuni were no longer under threat, Simister went back with some of the original pig's descendants to return the favour. It was the right thing to do, he says. Having spent most of his life caring for them, Simister talks about his kunikuni almost as if he is the one indebted to them, not the other way around. They're just a lovely pig, he says. They treat you like you are one of them, like an equal. An unlikely ambassador for our country, these little compatriots don't ask for much in return, apart from maybe the odd scratch or a nice bit of cabbage. That was This Little Piggy Went to Europe by Gregor Thompson, published in North and South's April issue. The details long read is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund, and we'll be back next week with a new long read. Hakiti Anon.